0: Arthur's Hall, Part 1, in Weird Tales, Volume 1, by E. T. A. A. Hoffman, translated by J.T. Beelby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Arthur's Hall, Part 1. Note, written for the Urania, for 1817. Return to text. You must, of course, indulgent reader, have heard a good deal about the remarkable old commercial town of Danzig. Perhaps you may be acquainted from abundant descriptions with all the sights to be seen there. But I should like it best of all, if you have ever been there yourself in former times, and seen with your own eyes the wonderful hall into which I will now take you. I mean, Arthur's Hall. The Artushoff, or Junkeroff, derives its name from its connection with the arthurian cycle of legends and from the fact that there the stadtjunker or wealthy merchants of danzig used formerly to meet both to transact business and for the celebration of festive occasions it has been used as an exchange since 1742 the site of the present building was occupied by a still older one down to 1552 And to this, the hall, which is vaulted and supported on four slender pillars of granite, belongs architecturally. It was very quaintly decorated with pictures, statues, reliefs, etc., etc., both the Christian and pagan traditions. Return to text. At the hour of noon, the hall was crammed full of men of the most diverse nations, all pushing about and immersed to the eyes in business, so that the ears were deafened by the confused din. But when the exchange hours were over and the merchants had gone home to dinner and only a few odd individuals hurried through the hall on business for it served as a means of communication between two streets that i dare say was the time when you gracious reader liked to visit arthur's hall best whenever you were in dancing For then a kind of magical twilight fell through the dim windows and all the strange reliefs and carvings with which the wall was too profusely decorated became instinct with life and motion. Stags with immense antlers, together with other wonderful animals, gazed down upon you with their fiery eyes, till you could hardly look at them. And the marble statue of the king, also in the midst of the hall, caused you to shiver more in proportion as the dusk of evening deepened. The great picture, representing an assemblage of all the virtues and vices, with their respective names attached, lost perceptibly in moral effect for the virtues being high up were blended unrecognizably in a grey mist whilst the vices wondrously beautiful ladies in gay and brilliant costumes stood out prominently and very seductively threatening to enchant you with their sweet soft words you preferred to turn your eyes upon the narrow border which went almost all round the hall and on which were represented in pleasing style Long processions of gay uniformed militia of the olden time, when Danzig was an imperial town. Honest burgomasters, their features stamped with shrewdness and importance, ride at the head on spirited horses with handsome trappings, whilst the drummers, pipers, and halberdiers march along so jauntily and lifelike that you soon begin to hear the merry music they play and look to see them all defile out of that great window up there into the Langemacht note the Langemacht a broad street crossing Danzig in an east to west direction return to text while then they are marching off you indulgent reader if you were that is a tolerable sketcher would not be able to do otherwise than copy with pen and ink yon magnificent burgomaster with his remarkably handsome page pen and ink and paper provided at public cost were always to be found lying about on the tables. Accordingly, the material would be already at hand, and you would have felt the temptation irresistible. This you would have been permitted to do, but not so the young merchant Tragot, who, on beginning to do anything of this kind, encountered a thousand difficulties and vexations. Advise our friend in Hamburg at once that that business has been settled, my good Herr Charcot said the wholesale and retail merchant elias Ross, with whom traugert was about to enter upon an immediate partnership besides marrying his only daughter christina after a little trouble traugert found a place at one of the crowded tables he took a sheet of paper dipped his pen in the ink and was about to begin with a free calligraphic flourish when running over once more in his mind what he wished to say he cast his eyes upwards Now it happened that he sat directly opposite a procession of figures, at the sight of which he was always, strangely enough, affected with an inexplicable sadness. A grave man, with something of dark melancholy in his face, and with a black curly beard and dressed in sumptuous clothing, was riding a black horse, which was led by the bridle by a marvelous youth. His rich abundance of hair and his gay and graceful costume gave him almost a feminine appearance. The face and form of the man made Traugert shudder inwardly, but a whole world of sweet, vague aspirations beamed upon him from the youth's countenance. He could never tear himself away from looking at these two, and hence, on the present occasion, instead of writing Herr Elias Rose's letter of advice to Hamburg, he sat gazing at the wonderful picture, absently scribbling all over his paper. After this had lasted some time, a hand clapped him on the shoulder from behind, and a gruff voice said nice very nice that's what i like something may be made of that trumpet awakening out of his dreamy reverie whisked himself round but as if struck by a lightning flash he remained speechless with amazement and fright for he was staring up into the face of the dark melancholy man who was depicted on the wall before him he it was who uttered the words stated above at his side stood the delicate and wonderfully beautiful youth smiling upon him with indescribable affection. Yes, it is they, the very same, was the thought that flashed through Traugert's mind. I expect they will at once throw off their unsightly mantles and stand forth in all the splendours of their antique costume. The members of the crowd pushed backwards and forwards amongst each other, and the strangers had soon disappeared in the crush. But even after the hours of change were long over, and only a few odd individuals crossed the hall, Traugat still remained in the selfsame place with the letter of advice in his hand, as though he were converted into a solid stone statue. At length he perceived Herr Elias Rose coming towards him with two strangers. "'What are you about, cogitating here so long afternoon, my respected Herr Traugat?' asked Elias Rose. "'Have you sent off the letter all right?' mechanically trogut handed him the paper but herr elias rose struck his hands together above his head stamping at first gently but then violently with his right foot as he cried making the hall ring again good god good god what childish tricks are these nothing but sheer childishness my respect to Trugget, my good-for-nothing son-in-law my imprudent partner why the devil must be in your honour the letter THE LETTER! oh GOD, THE POST! Harry Elias Rose was almost choking with vexation, whilst the two strangers were laughing at the singular letter of advice, which could hardly be said to be of much use. For immediately after the words, in reply to yours of the twentieth instant, respecting, Traugat had sketched the two extraordinary figures of the old man and the youth in neat bold outlines. The two strangers sought to pacify Herr Elias Rose by addressing him in the most affectionate manner. But Herr Elias Rose tugged his round wig now on this side and now on that, struck his cane against the floor and cried, The young devil was to write a letter of advice. Makes drawings. Ten thousand marks gone. Damn! He blew through his fingers and then went on lamenting, Ten thousand marks! "'Don't make a trouble of it, my dear Herr Rose,' said at length the elder of the two strangers. "'The post is, of course, gone, but I am sending off a courier to Hamburg in an hour. "'Let me give him your letter, and it will then reach its destination earlier than it would have done by the post.' "'You incomparable man!' exclaimed Herr Elias, his face a perfect blaze of sunshine. "'Trogate had recovered from his awkward embarrassment. "'He was hastening to the table to write the letter.' but harry lias pushed him away casting a right malicious look upon him and murmuring between his teeth no need for you my good son whilst harry lias was studiously busy writing the elder gentleman approached young traugert who was standing silent with shame and said to him you don't seem to be exactly in your place my good sir it would never have come into a true merchant's head to make drawings instead of writing a business letter as he ought could not help feeling that this reproach was only too well founded much embarrassed he replied by my soul this hand has already written many admirable letters of advice it is only occasionally that such confoundedly odd ideas come into my mind but my good sir continued the stranger smiling these are not confoundedly odd ideas at all i can really hardly believe that all your business letters taken together have been so admirable as these sketches, outlined so neatly and boldly and firmly. There is, I am sure, true genius in them. With these words, the stranger took out of Togget's hand the letter, or rather what was begun as a letter, but had ended in sketches, carefully folded it together and put it in his pocket. This awakened in Togget's mind the firm conviction that he had done something far more excellent than write a business letter. A strange spirit took possession of him, so that when Herr Elias Rose, who had now finished writing, addressed him in an angry tone, Your childish folly might have cost me ten thousand marks. He replied louder and with more decision than was his habit. Will your worship please not behave in such an extraordinary way, else I will never write you another letter of advice as long as I live, and we will separate. Herr Elias pushed his wig right with both hands and stammered as he stared hard at Chauvet, My my estimable wakari, my dear, dear son, what proud words you're using. The old gentleman again interposed, and a few words sufficed to restore perfect peace. And so they all went to Herr Elias's house to dinner, for he had invited the strangers home with him. Fair Christina received them in holiday attire, all clean and prim and proper, and soon she was wielding the excessively heavy silver soup ladle with a practiced hand. Whilst these five persons are sitting at table, I could, gracious reader, bring them pictorially before your eyes, but I shall only manage to give a few general outlines, and those certainly worse than the sketches which Troggett had the audacity to scribble in the inauspicious letter, for the meal will soon be over. And besides, I am urged by an impulse I cannot resist to go on with the remarkable history of the excellent Troggett, which I have undertaken to relate to you that Herr Elias Ross wears a round wig you already know from what has been stated above, and I have no need to add anything more, for after what he has said, you can now see the round little man with his liver-colored coat, waistcoat, and trousers with gilt buttons quite plainly before your eyes. O Trogot, I have a very great deal to say, because this is his history which I am telling, and so of course he occurs in it. If now it be true that a man's thoughts and feelings and actions, making their influence felt from within him outwards, so model and shape his bodily form as to give rise to that wonderful harmony of the whole man, that is not to be explained but only felt, which we call character, then my words will of themselves have already shown you Traugat himself in the flesh. If this is not the case, then all my gossip is wasted, and you may forthwith regard my story as unread. The two strangers are uncle and nephew, formerly retail dealers, but now merchants, trading on their gains, and friends of Herr Elias Roes, that is to say, they had a good many business transactions together. They live at Königsberg, dress entirely in the English fashion, carry about with them a mahogany bootjack, which has come from London, possess considerable taste for art, and are, in a word, experienced, well-educated people. The uncle has a gallery of art objects and collects hand sketches. Witness the pilfered letter of advice. But properly, my chief business was to give you, kindly reader, a true and lifelike description of Christina. For her nimble person will, I observe, soon disappear, and it will be as well for me to get a few traits dotted down at once. Then she may willingly go. Picture to yourself a medium-sized, stoutish female of from two to three-and-twenty years of age, with a round face, a short and rather turned-up nose, and friendly, light-blue eyes, which smile most prettily upon everybody, saying, I shall soon be married now. Her skin is dazzling white, her hair is not altogether of a too reddish tinge. She has lips which were certainly made to be kissed, and a mouth which, though indeed rather wide, she yet screws up small in some extraordinary way, but so as to display then two rows of pearly teeth. If we were to suppose that the flames from the next-door neighbour's burning house were to dart in at her chamber window, she would make haste to feed the canary and lock up the clean linen from the wash, and then assuredly hasten down into the office and inform Herr Elias Rose that by that time his house was also on fire. She has never had an almond cake spoilt, and her melted butter always thickens properly, owing to the fact that she never stirs the spoon round towards the left, but always towards the right. But since Harry Elias Rose has poured out the last bumper of old French wine, I will only hasten to add that pretty Christina is uncommonly fond of Trogon, because he is going to marry her. For what in the name of wonder should she do if she did not get married? After dinner, Herr Elias Rose proposed to his friends to take a walk on the ramparts. Although Trowit, whose mind had never been stirred by so many wonderful and extraordinary things as today, would very much like to, to escape the company, he could not contrive it. For just as he was going out of the door without having even kissed his betrothed's hand, Herr Elias caught him by the coat tails, crying, My honored son-in-law, my good colleague, but you're not going to leave us. And so he had to stay. A certain professor of physics once stated the theory that the anima mundi, or spirit of the world, had, as a skillful experimentalist, constructed somewhere an excellent electric machine, and from it proceed certain very mysterious wires which pass through the lives of us all. These we do our best to creep round and avoid, but at some moment or other we must tread upon them, and then there passes a flash and a shock through our souls suddenly altering the forms of everything within them upon this thread trauget must surely have trod in the moment that he was unconsciously sketching the two persons who stood in living shape behind him for the singular appearance of the strangers had struck him with all the violence of a lightning flash and he now felt as if he had very clear conceptions of all those things which he had hitherto only dimly guessed at and dreamt about The shyness, which at other times had always fettered his tongue so soon as the conversation turned upon things which lay concealed, like holy secrets at the bottom of his heart, had now left him. And, hence it was, when the uncle attacked the curious half-painted, half-carved pictures in Arthur's Hall as wanting in taste, and then proceeded more particularly to condemn the little pictures representing the soldiers as being whimsical chargott boldly maintained that although it was very likely true that all these things did not harmonize with the rules of good taste nevertheless he had experienced what indeed several others had also experienced a wonderful and fantastic world had been unfolded to him in arthur's hall and some few of the figures had reminded him in even lifelike looks nay even in plain distinct words that he also was a great master and could paint and wield the chisel as well as the man out of whose unknown studio they themselves had proceeded. Her certainly looked more stupid than usual whilst the young fellow was saying such grand things, but the uncle made answer in a very malicious manner. I repeat once more, I do not comprehend why you want to be a merchant, why you haven't rather devoted yourself altogether to art. Target conceived an extreme repugnance to the man and accordingly he joined the nephew for the walk and found his manner very friendly and confidential oh helen said the latter how i envy you your beautiful and glorious talent i wish i could only sketch like you i am not at all wanting in genius i have already sketched some deucedly pretty eyes and noses and ears i and even three or four entire heads But, but dash it all the business you know the business i always thought said drogut that as soon as a man detected the spark of true genius of a genuine love for art within him he ought not to know anything about any other business you mean he ought to be an artist rejoined the nephew ah how can you say so see you here my estimable friend i have i believe reflected more upon these things than many others in fact i am such a decided admirer of art have gone into the real essential nature of the thing far deeper than i am even able to express and so i can only make use of hints and suggestions the nephew as he expressed these opinions looked so learned and so profound that target really began to feel in awe of him you will agree with me continued the nephew after he had taken a pinch of snuff and had sneezed twice you will agree with me that art embroiders our life with flowers amusement Recreation after serious business, that is the praiseworthy end of all effort in art. And the attainment of this end is the more perfect in proportion as the art products assume a nearer approach to excellence. This end is very clearly seen in life, for it is only the man who pursues art in the spirit I have just mentioned who enjoys comfort and ease, whilst these forever and eternally flee away from the man who, directly contrary to the nature of the case, regards art as a true end in itself, as the highest aim in life. And so, my good friend, don't take to heart what my uncle said to try and persuade you to turn aside from the serious business of life and rely upon a way of employing your energies which, if without support, will only make you stagger about like a helpless child. Here the nephew paused as if expecting Trogot's reply. But Trogot did not know for the life of him what he ought to say. All that the nephew had said struck him as indescribably stupid talk. He contented himself with asking, But what do you really mean by the serious business of life? The nephew looked at him somewhat taken aback. Well, by my soul, you can't help conceding to me that a man who is alive must live, and that's what your artist by profession hardly ever succeeds in doing, for he's always hard up and he went on with a long rigmarole of bosh which he clothed in fine words and stereotyped phrases the end of it all appeared to be pretty much this that by living he meant little else than having no debts but plenty of money plenty to eat and drink a beautiful wife and also well-behaved children who never got any grease stains on their nice Sunday clothes and so on this made Traugat feel a tightness in his throat and he was glad when the clever nephew left him and he found himself alone in his own room what a wretched miserable life i lead to be sure he soliloquized on beautiful mornings in the glorious golden springtime when into even the obscure streets of the town the warm west wind finds its way and its faint murmurings and rustlings seem to be telling of all the wonders which are to be seen blooming in the woods and fields then I have to crawl down sluggishly and in an ill temper into Harry Lias Rose's smoke-begrimed office. And there sit pale faces before huge, ugly-shaped desks. All are working on, amidst gloomy silence, which is only broken by the rustle of leaves turned over in the big books, by the chink of money that is being counted, and by unintelligible sounds at odd intervals. And then again what work it is what is the good of all this thinking and all this writing merely that the pile of gold pieces may increase in the coffers and that the fafnir's treasure which always brings mischief may glitter and sparkle more and more Note. Fafnir, in scandinavian mythology fafnir the worm became the owner of the treasure which his father Hreidmar had exacted as blood money from loki because he had slain hardmar's son o'tur the sea otter this treasure loki had taken by violence from its rightful owner a dwarf who in revenge prophesied that the possession of the treasure should henceforward be fraught with dire mischief to every successive owner of it return to text oh how gladly a painter or a sculptor must go out into the air and with head erect imbibe all the refreshing influences of spring until they people the inner world of his mind with beautiful images pulsing with glad and energetic life. Then, from the dark bushes, step forth wonderful figures, which his own mind has created, and which continue to be his own. For within him dwells the mysterious wizard power of light, of color, of form. Hence he is able to give abiding shape to what he has seen with the eye of his mind, in that he represents it in a material substitute. What is there to prevent me tearing myself loose from this hated mode of life? That remarkable old man assured me that I am called to be an artist, and still more so did the nice handsome youth. For although he did not speak a word, it yet somehow struck me that his glance said plainly what I had for such a long time felt like a vague emotional pulsation within me, and what? oppressed by a multitude of doubts, has hitherto been unable to rise to the level of consciousness. Instead of going on in this miserable way, could I not make myself a good painter? Charlotte got out all the things that he had ever drawn and examined them with critical eyes. Several things looked quite different today from what they had ever done before, and that, not worse, but better. His attention was especially attracted by one of his childish attempts of the time when he was quite a boy it was a sketch of the old burgomaster and the handsome page the outlines very much wanting in firmness of course but nevertheless recognizable and he remembered quite well that these figures had made a strange impression upon him even at that time and how one evening at dusk they enticed him with such an irresistible power of attraction that he had to leave his playmates and go into Arthur's Hall, where he took almost endless pains to copy the picture. The contemplation of this drawing filled him with a feeling of very deep yearning sadness. According to his usual habit, he ought to go and work a few hours in the office, but he could not do it. He went out to the Carlsberg instead. Note, a hill to the northwest of Danzig, affording a splendid view of the Gulf of Danzig. returned text. There he stood and gazed out over the heaving sea, striving to decipher in the waves and in the grey misty clouds which had gathered in wonderful shapes over Hiela. Note. A long narrow spit of land projecting from the coast at a point north of Danzig in a south-southeast direction into the Gulf of Danzig. Return to text. Clouds which had gathered in wonderful shapes over Hiela as in a magic mirror, his own destiny in days to come don't you too believe kindly reader that the sparks which fall into our hearts from the higher regions of love are first made visible to us in the hours of hopeless pain and so it is with the doubts that storm the artist's mind he sees the ideal and feels how impotent are his efforts to reach it it will flee before him he thinks always unattainable but then again he is once more animated by a divine courage He strives and struggles, and his despair is dissolved into a sweet yearning which both strengthens him and spurs him on to strain after his beloved idol, so that he begins to see it continually nearer and nearer, but never reaches it. Trowget was now tortured to excess by this state of hopeless pain. Early next morning on again looking over his drawings, which he had left lying on the table, he thought them all paltry and foolish and he now called to mind the oft-repeated words of one of his artistic friends a great deal of the mischief done by dabblers in art of moderate abilities arises from the fact that so many people take a somewhat keen superficial excitement for the real essential vocation to pursue art trogbert felt strongly urged to look upon arthur's hall and his adventure with the two mysterious personages the old man and the young one for one of these states of superficial excitement so he condemned himself to go back to the office again and he worked so assiduously at herr elias rose's without heeding the disgust which frequently so far overcame him that he had to break off suddenly and rush off out into the open air with sympathetic concern herr elias rose set this down to the indisposition which according to his opinion the fearfully pale young man must be suffering from some time passed dominic's fair came note august fourth returned to text after which trogut was to marry christina and be introduced to the mercantile world as herr elias rose's partner this period he regarded as that of a sad leave-taking from all his high hopes and aspirations and his heart grew heavy whenever he saw dear Christina, as busy as a bee, superintending the scrubbing and polishing that was going on everywhere in the middle story, folding curtains with her own hands and giving the final polish to the brass pots and pans, etc. One day, in the thick of the surging crowd of strangers in Arthur's Hall, had heard close behind him a voice whose well-known tones made his heart jump. Do you really mean to say that this stock stands at such a low figure? Traugert whisked himself quickly round and saw, as he had expected, the remarkable old man, who had appealed to a broker to get him to buy some stock, the price of which had, at that moment, fallen to an extremely low figure. Behind the old man stood the youth, who greeted Traugert with a friendly but melancholy smile. Then Traugert hastened to address the old man. Excuse me, sir. The price of the stock which you are desirous of selling is really no higher than what you have been told. Nevertheless, it may with confidence be anticipated that in a few days the price will rise considerably. If, therefore, you take my advice, you will postpone the conversion of your stock for a little time longer. Eh, sir? replied the old man, rather coldly and roughly. What have you to do with my business? How do you know that just now a silly bit of paper like this is of no use at all to me. Whilst well, ready money is what I have great need of. Trogot, not a little abashed, because the old man had taken his well-meant intention in such ill part, was on the point of retiring when the youth looked at him with tears in his eyes, as if in entreaty. My advice was well-meant, sir, he replied quickly. I cannot suffer you to inflict upon yourself an important loss. Let me have your stock but on the condition that i afterwards pay for it the higher price which it will be worth in a few days time well you are an extraordinary man said the old man be it so then although i can't understand what induces you to want to enrich me so saying he shot a keen flashing glance at the youth who cast down his beautiful blue eyes in shy confusion they both followed Trabot to the office where the money was paid over to the old man, whose face was dark and sullen as he put it in his purse. Whilst he was doing so, the youth whispered softly to Trockett, "'Are you not the gentleman who was sketching such pretty figures "'several weeks ago in Arthur's Hall?' "'Certainly I am,' replied Tropet, "'and he felt how the remembrance of the ridiculous episode "'of the letter of advice drove the hot blood into his face. "'Oh, then, I don't at all wonder,' the youth was continuing, when the old man gave him an angry look, which at once made him silent. In the presence of these strangers, Traugat could not get rid of a certain feeling of awkward constraint, and so they went away before he could muster courage enough to inquire further into their circumstances and mode of life. In fact, there was something so quite out of the ordinary in the appearance of these two persons that even the clerks and others in the office were struck by it the surly bookkeeper had stuck his pen behind his ear and leaning on his arms which he clasped behind his head he sat watching the old man with keen glittering eyes god forgive me he said when the strangers had left the office if he didn't look like an old picture of the year fourteen hundred in st john's parish church with his curly beard and black mantle herr elias set him down without more ado as a polish jew notwithstanding his noble bearing and his extremely grave old german face and cried with a simper silly fellow sells his stocks now might make at least ten per cent more in a week of course he knew nothing about the additional price which had been agreed upon and which trogut intended to pay out of his own pocket and this he really did do when some days later he again met the old man of the youth in arthur's hall the old man said "'My son has reminded me that you are an artist also, "'and so I will accept what I should have otherwise refused.' "'They were standing close beside one of the four granite pillars "'which support the vaulted roof of the hall, "'and immediately in front of the two painted figures "'which Target had formerly sketched in the letter of advice. "'Without reserve he spoke of the great resemblance "'between these figures and the old man himself and the youth. "'The old man smiled a peculiar smile, and, laying his hand on Travitz's shoulder, said in a low and deliberate tone, Then you didn't know that I am the German painter Godolfriedus Berklinger, and that it was I who painted the pictures which seemed to give you so much pleasure a long time ago, whilst I was still a learner in art. That burgomaster I copied in commemoration of myself, and that the page who is leading the horse is my son, who can, of course, very easily see by comparing the faces and figures of the two was struck dumb with astonishment but he very soon came to the conclusion that the old man who took himself to be the artist of a picture more than two hundred years old must be labouring under some peculiar illusion the old man went on lifting up his head and looking proudly about him ay that was an artistic age of your life glorious vigorous flourishing when i decorated this hall with all these gay pictures in honour of the wise king arthur "'and his round table. "'I verily believe that the tall, stately figure "'who once came to me as I was working here "'and exhorted me to go on and gain my mastership, "'for at that time I had not reached that dignity, "'was King Arthur himself. "'Here the young man interposed, "'My father is an artist, sir, who has few equals, "'and you would have no cause to be sorry "'if he would allow you to inspect his works.' meanwhile the old man was taking a turn through the hall which had now become empty he now called to the youth to go and then traugert begged him to show him his pictures the old man fixed his eyes upon him and regarded him for some time with a keen and searching glance and at length he said with much gravity you are i must say rather audacious to be wanting to enter the inner shrine before you have begun your probationary years but, be it so if your eyes are still too dull to see you may at least dimly feel come and see me early tomorrow morning and he indicated where he lived next morning traugert did not fail to get away from business early and hastened to the retired street where the remarkable old man lived the youth dressed in old german style opened the door to receive him and led him into a spacious room in the center of which he found the old man sitting on a little stool in front of a large piece of outstretched gray primed canvas you have come exactly at the right time sir the old man cried by way of greeting for i have just put the finishing touch to yon large picture which has occupied me more than a year and cost me no small amount of trouble it is the fellow of the picture of the same size representing paradise lost which i completed last year in which i can also show you here this as you will observe is paradise regained and i should be very sorry for you if you begin to put on critical airs and try to get some allegory out of it allegorical pictures are only painted by duffers and bunglers my picture is not to signify but to be you perceive how all these varied groups of men and animals and fruits and flowers and stones unite to form one harmonic whole whose loud and excellent music is the divinely pure chord of glorification and the old man began to dwell more especially upon the individual groups he called target's attention to the secrets of the division of light and shade to the glitter of the flowers and the metals to the singular shapes which rising up out of the calyx of the lilies entwined themselves about the forms of the divinely beautiful youths and maidens who were dancing to the strains of music, and he called his attention to the bearded men who, with all the strong pride of youth in their eyes and movements, were apparently talking to various kinds of curious animals. The old man's words, whilst they grew continually more emphatic, grew also continually more incomprehensible and confused. That's right, old greybeard let thy diamond crown flash and sparkle he cried at last riveting a fixed but fiery glance upon the canvas throw off the isis veil which thou didst put over thy head when the profane approached thee what art thou folding thy dark robe so carefully over thy breast for i want to see thy heart that is the philosopher's stone through which the mystery is revealed art thou not i why dost thou put on such a bold and mighty air before me wilt thou contend with thy master thinkest thou that the ruby thy heart which sparkles so can crush my breast up then step forward come here i have created thee for i am here the old man suddenly fell on the floor like one struck by lightning whilst troget lifted him up the youth quickly wheeled up a small arm-chair into which they placed the old man who soon appeared to have fallen into a gentle sleep. End of Arthur's Hall, Part 1 Recording by Thomas Copeland